and welcome to She's the Boss Chats. I'm your host, Jules Brooke, and in the show, I interview amazing women and female founders about what it is that they're doing and why they're doing it. It's all about us lifting up the women around us. Retta Haywood, I am so excited to be interviewing you for She's the Boss Chats. Thanks so much for agreeing to do it. Thank you for having me, Jules. (laughs) I'm looking forward to this. Yeah, no, it's going to be great. So let's start off by telling everybody what it is that you do and why you do it. Look, I'm a family lawyer. But my practice is a little bit different because I focus on women. I will see blokes, but it's mainly women that I'm I'm sort of looking after. And I like to say look after because I, I, I come from a feminist background and I have a feminist slant and I like to look after people. It's a more holistic approach. Yeah, love it. And, God, to have a lawyer say that immediately makes me go, you are different. <laughs> well, it's very important to me. It's very important because... Um, I've got to have a purpose. I've got to have a purpose that drives me, you know. I just don't want to be another lawyer. I want to make a difference. I don't want to be told what to do. I want to work with somebody, take a holistic approach and see them all the way and hold their hands so that they can move on to their future. Oh, my God, I love you. I don't don't think I've ever heard anybody that works with divorces and women that said anything like that. Certainly wasn't my experience, that's for sure. Do you know, do you know that when women split up, a lot of them sort of remain in poverty because they, it's like a povertization of women because you're stuck with, you're looking after the children and all the costs associated with that. Yes, you might get a bit of a windfall with a, yeah. with a property separation, but it takes women years to get on their feet. Whereas with men, it's a bit of a hiccup sometimes if they have to give more across yeah. to the woman, but because their career trajectory and can take capacity. off and earning yeah. capacity can take off, they actually are better off than women. Nobody thinks about that and it's very important. Well, I'll tell you another thing nobody thinks about and it absolutely shocked me was that um, when I separated from my ex-husband, I remember at the time he had been a stay-at-home dad. He had earned hardly anything through our whole marriage and um, in the last year he'd been made redundant and I'd asked him to look after the kids because the amount he was earning I figured Mm. I could probably earn that in a difference. And I remember talking to a friend who was a lawyer and saying to her, I've got to end this marriage. And she said, be careful, you'll have to pay him. And I said, don't be ridiculous. Why would I have to pay him? I've got to pay for all the kids anyway. I've paid for everything through our marriage. And sure enough, for the last 12 years, I've been, you know, having to pay him, even though I look after most of the kids and he's just manipulated the situation. And I remember at the time thinking, why isn't it like the, the law is so slanted to dodgy guys not paying the women yep. that if it's the other way around, and I remember family support people saying to me, yeah, yeah, this is a loophole that people mm. don't know about. But, yeah, anyway, so if you are a high-powered woman or you're earning a bit and yeah, you want to get out. out of your marriage, yeah, you, you might be 16 years or more mm. of having to pay your ex. And there's no incentive for them to work more because the more they work, the less money you have to pay them. Look, I get this all the time where guys run lucrative businesses and then all of a sudden they're depressed and they right. let the whole thing go. Yeah. And then um it's worthless, their business is becomes sort of worth next to nothing. They let people go and they're depressed and then they say, I am the business. 
business and it's worthless and then you, you separate and then lo and behold the business picks up right the, the, the miraculous you know recovery wow. happens. so that can happen as well but you know you've got to see all this in light of, of, of the gendered society we live in yeah women really i mean I see it as as women being still second class citizens, yeah. and it's really hard. And I think the law it's conservative and it needs to catch up. And I have lived experience of a lot of women's plight, uh, wealthy yeah. women, not so wealthy women. Look, I worked in a community legal centre for a while, and I went to the prisons, I went oh, to the wow. hospitals. Wow, I've been I've been everywhere, You've man. Seen, I've been seen everywhere, it, man. and I, you know, so I've seen wealthy women, and I've seen. I've seen it all and it, and we live in a gendered society and generally it is the women that will carry the load. The women will take on the responsibility for the children. It is the women who don't want to separate because they want to keep the family together and put up with family violence. Yeah, right. It's always the way and you've got to help them and you've got to talk to them and you've got to get them through it and they're scared and they're yeah. often hard on me because I'm, I'm sort of, Pushing, pushing them, them to an uncomfortable place, place and they want to be pushed and, yeah. and they're struggling and they're frightened. Let's face it, what's going to happen to me? You know, look at it this way, Jules. If a guy's made all the financial decisions, which is often the case, yes. you know, all of a sudden you're going to be on your own with a couple of kids. How's it, how am I going to do it? How's it going right. to work? They're That's scared. Right. It's so, really yeah, hard. Well, it, but it is scary. The whole thing is scary. It's The whole thing you know, is scary. Even, even if you do know what you're doing, it's still scary because you're just, yeah, I don't know. Anyway, anyway, I'm going to stop, stop there and we're mm. going to go back into you because I want to know a bit <laughs> more about you. So let's start off with um, where did you grow up and what sort of size family and what did your parents do? Oh, look, I grew up. <laughs> I'm the youngest of five. Oh, wow, are you? Yes, I am. Wow. It's quite funny. I actually, um, my father's German and my mother's Australian, so I was born right. here. And it's quite funny, you know, when I was a little girl, um, uh, it's funny, you know, when you talk to lawyers and you expect them to have this glittering education <laughs> and mine got off to an interesting start because oh, um, I'm the youngest of five, right. as I say, and um, they all went to a Catholic school here in Melbourne and on my very first day one of the nuns there said something to me and um, and I didn't like it, it wasn't fair, <laughs> and I I, I think I unloaded my repertoire of swear words that I picked up. I think it was like something like bloody, you bloody bugger. Um, and I was expelled on my first day. Oh, stop so it. So kicked out. Are you serious? I was. I was kicked out Oh, my out God, of I don't, I've never heard that. That is so funny. Yep. Oh, no wonder I love you. So now tell me. It's um, funny. And, you know, after <laughs> So what did that, you do? I actually told my mother, you know, um, after expelled. this event, she apparently said, what do you want to do, Greta, when you grow up? And I remember saying, I want to be a judge because things are unfair in the world, which is funny. So um, I didn't, um, I'm, I'm um, not a judge, but um, it's actually quite funny because somebody asked me just the other day, would I consider becoming a magistrate <laughs> because of the family yeah. violence work I've done, which I'm not going to do, but I've, it made me think of that experience. Yeah, but, wow. um, but yeah, I did other things and I've come back to the law. So um, it's been okay, an interesting Okay, so we're, we're going to unravel all of that. But um, <laughs> what did your mum and dad do? I mean, were they, were, I, I guess in, in terms of role modelling, 
You want to talk about my mum because my mum was an artist, yes, and she ran an art gallery and she uh, was also a potter. She used to paint. Right. And there was always easels and paint and mess, the most disorganised woman you ever come (laughs) across, but very personable. She knew everyone and everyone knew her and she was involved in all the community projects and things, very outgoing, very caring, very loving and bloody strong. I mean, you know my stand-up size. I'm about five nine, five ten. She's five nothing. Right, and just she tiny. Full on in your face. My right. mother was, but she gave us freedom. Yeah, and she she was just a strong woman, and she just always thought she lived to well into her nineties, and she was always wow. saying, you know, I could do this, I could do that. You know, I could open another gallery with a Japanese slant. I could do that. And oh, I was so just they're just constantly right. She and, <laughs> and nothing stopped her. I know, and she always, always, always step forward, Greta. Step forward, you know. Always, always. Oh, what a fantastic mother to have. mm -hmm, Always about, you know, uh, fulfilling your potential and and believing in yourself, you know. Yeah. And and it was lovely. So we had her her on the one side and my father was a journalist. He's from Germany. And um. And there's quite a bohemian combo. <laughs> couple, and she used to write as well. That's how they. That's how they met. She's from Wagga, Wagga right. Wagga, and she was. She did journalism when she did art as well. And she um she was the first female journalist on her newspaper on the Wagga wow. on the Wagga paper. Always, you know, real heroine, really driving yeah, force. What a, wow, what a and great so mum she was. And she met this German man, and who's my father, who wrote this Jewish German guy that had um Old left. Escape. Germany, he'd escaped and sadly his the rest of his family did not. His uh. mother didn't. But um he came out with his younger brother back in the day and they and he met my mother and, and so growing up was really quite wonderful. You had dad on the one hand talking current affairs and culture, you know, this sort of um cosmopolitan yeah. guy. And then you had my mother who was this wayward woman and paint around the house and Clay, and she was always playing with oh. clay and stuff. How many times have I dipped my hand in in some kind of cup, thinking oh, it's chocolate, and put it in my <laughs> mouth? And it's bloody clay. Wow, that's amazing! What a great start. Mm. So, did you enjoy school? Uh, well, after being expelled, where did you? <laughs> For grade one, where do you go Oh, I went to, so this was a Catholic school, so I then went to the public school. Right. And I was pleased with that. I I fitted in quite well. Um, But always had a a view, always had a point of view through my background. Right. um, And then we moved to Germany when I turned, when I was about eight years old. We oh, snap. Lived I lived in Germany when I was eight too. Oh, really? Amazing. Yeah, yeah. We lived there before Go. we moved to Australia for four mm. years. Oh, where were you? We were in um, a place called Bookerberg, um, no, a place called Rintown, mm-hmm. which is near Hameln, um, and I went to a, a school there for a year and then went to boarding school in England. Oh, wow. And my younger brother did and my two, so there's three brothers, my two youngest brothers stayed in Germany with mum and dad and myself and my brother were sent to England. Oh, to go wow. to boarding school, which was a bit freaky. But anyway, to, let's talk about yours. So, ask you questions. Where did you move? <laughs> I know, well, it's a chat. <laughs> <laughs> no, um, no, we lived in a place, a beautiful place in the north of Germany called Lüneburg. It's about 50k inland from Hamburg. Very, very pretty 
pretty place. Oh. And um, I went to school there and I, I quite How was that though it. as an Aussie, a, a pretty Aussie girl by the sounds of it? Yeah. To well, go over to somewhere like Germany? Well, it was interesting. You they know, do like I mean, the rules being they followed They do like the there. rules being followed and my mother struggled to <laughs> yes, fit in. I, I have to tell you that. She really struggled I remember to it was in. always very clean and nice and everybody very friendly and lots of great history but very much about following the rules. And very obedient. Yes, yes that's yes. right. No, so we struggled a little bit with that but, um, but we got there and I I found it quite interesting because people were sort of more politically motivated because you're part of Europe and German has yeah. this, Germany has this checkered uh, history. I mean, in Australia we're, we're pretty isolated and we've got a great life here. I mean, yeah. look, it's a beautiful big we island, do. really, Australia. But Germany is. But it's a, a bit of a cultural and, and, and sort of desert and a news desert. That's in, right. That's in the sense right. of knowing what's going on in the rest of the world. That's right. And Germans are sort of political and I sort of loved it through my background, through, through my father. Yeah. So I'm a bit like him that way. So I kind of politicised a lot of things. But and how I, did you did you speak German? I, I mean, were you all it, brought I just up? had to learn it. Right. Dumped in, and wow. that was hard. The grammar's hard. It was. It's I quite had my different moments. from English. Yeah. 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 So how long did you live there for? Oh, gee, till I was about seventeen. Oh, 17, wow. 18, I finished school there, but it, it was tough. Right. But it was interesting. It was it was it was a good time, and it did me well, and it made me strong. Yeah. And now I just think it's okay to be different, and it and. And I am. Yeah, di- I never I fit it quite fitted in, but it, but I sort of did too. It's quite interesting. It didn't, it didn't matter. So, what do you do when you're 17? You're an Australian living in Germany, and you've just finished school. Well, when I before I finished school, I remember I was about. Oh, I was much younger. I was, I was about 10 or 13, 12. I don't yeah, know how so that, old I was, but I but was young. I was watching the telly and I saw West Side Story on the telly and um, the musical West Side Story and I saw these guys dancing and that's about sort of gangs and race yes. relations and that, and I thought I want to do that and I wanted to be a dancer. And, of course, there oh, I was wow. training night and day wow. doing ballet to get the technique up and doing all of this and, um, and that. Um, so I finished school and then I got into um, a dance academy in London as well. So I moved to wow, London Greta. to study Oh, ballet. I love this story, there all these revelations. So, that, but it was so where did you go? Was it like Sadler Wells? Like was it a it was big like, one in England? No, it was a small one but it suited me because I wanted to do my thing and I didn't want to be a ballerina. I so it was modern dance? It was, was modern it? dance and that's what I wanted to okay. do and I loved it. But Britain isn't, isn't as... Um, Excuse me. <clears throat> it isn't as um, I don't know, swinging London and all of that. It's quite conservative and yeah, quite yeah, classy. Particularly in there. the seventies. Yeah. yeah, and so I was there, and I wanted to make a difference again and, and get a political message across, you know. And so I was wanting, you know, I do. I want. I loved choreography, and so I did this pas de deux with a, a punk and a and a ballerina, <laughs> and it was two girls, so it's a lesbian right. sort of a lovely sort of thing, and. And it wasn't understood. It was Shocking. not well understood. <laughs> so um, I just think I, I just, I don't know. I just didn't fit in, and I thought uh, I'm just the, the the direction I'm going is is not going to be well received. And so I just, yeah, it it fizzed out somehow. And I thought okay. this is not really for me. So that sort of brought that to an end. And I thought, what do I do so now? So you still living in England at that stage? I was still in England. I yeah. was in London. I thought, what do I do now? I'm not going back to Germany. What am I going to do with my life? So I um. I, I just got myself together and moved and found some people and moved into a squat. 
<laughs> which now we have to talk to <clears throat> Australians about squats in England because oh. they're sort of quite different and they are everywhere and everybody does them and they just find an empty house and That's a whole lot it. of people move in. I learned to and there's wire actually, a house. Yeah, and there's actually a law over there that says that if you squat for a certain number of years, the house becomes yours. I, I don't know how many years, yeah, it's 20 years or something. Too. I've got to look Do they? Up. Yeah. But you never really hear about it here oh, in the same way, but some, it's so know, prevalent in England. Oh, we, we did it. It was great. It was fantastic. <laughs> this was in the 80s. And um and Thatcher was in, and so oh people were going God. to demos, yeah. and the punk the punks yeah, were there. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. These guys lived in cellars across. We we, we turned ourselves into a cooperative. We took over the whole street, and there were <laughs> punks there, and there were all sorts of guys wow. there. Where and were you, you living? Where about now? This? Where was I living? I was living in New Cross, which is yeah. around the corner from. Um, the old Kent Road, you know that. Yeah, from, yeah, yeah. From, okay. from Monopoly. Oh. Well, no, I lived there. I lived in Peckham and the old yeah, Kent Peckham, Road is Peckham. Peckham was a dump. Peckham it was still so is. <laughs> Well, but, no, I think it's been gentrified. No, it's all been gentrified. Yeah, since I was, so I left there in 2000 and it was just, well, I, I'm, I went from Peckham to Brixton. It was just taking Brixton off. Brixton was fun. I used to go <coughs> it's there. such a great area. You hear the reggae music and all That's the right. guys were there. Wow, what a cool chick you were. No, it was fun. Ah, it was quite I should say. Years. <laughs> was, yeah. Seven years, did you say? I, I was there for years. I was there for quite a while and right. working myself out. And I, I had this chip on my shoulder that I didn't, because um, I was sort of raised in Germany that I, um, and I spoke English, of course, but I didn't know much about like English literature and all of that and that, that was missing in my education. And so I, I went back to school to do a couple of A-levels just in, you know, um, like uh, English literature, things like oh, that. Because nice. I, I always felt a bit insufficient and it, and it was such a working class area and so you'd sit with all this these kids reading going, your Chaucer. You know, yeah, reading Chaucer and Shakespeare. And, and you get these kids saying, you know, Oi, Greta, so frustrating. Do you know what I mean? You know, and you, <laughs> yeah, you, you, you have all of that. And, and I just loved it because, yeah. and there is me with this Aussie chick with the, my accent. And we were all sort of, we were all sort of together. And it didn't matter because they were working class and I was Australian. So I was accepting and the black yes. kids and we were all accepting of each other. And was just great, you know. It was wow. a good time. Those black kids with the big boom boxes they yes, had they, back they were then huge, on their shoulders yep. and dancing, and I, I loved it all. It was a good time for me. It was Amazing. A good time it for me. sounds like it. But then the time came to come home. Why? Why did you decide to come back to Australia? Because I wanted to see what it was like here. I only remembered it yeah. as a kid, and I wanted to see what it what it was. But what like. about the rest of your family? Did they stay in Germany at that stage? Uh, they sort of trickled back. Okay. We all sort of trickled back, and, right. and Dad wanted to come back because okay. Dad was a journalist there, and, and we all sort of wanted to just come back. And, okay. and so we came back, and Mama opened an art gallery here. So in as, Melbourne, of, of course, yes, Gretz Gallery. She okay. named it after me. She wanted oh. me involved. She's such a pushy number, but I didn't <laughs> want to do it. I wanted to do something else and find my way. So I, I was, you know, I thought I've, I've got to stop bumming around and I've got to, you know, I've got, you know, a good school marks and all of that. I've yeah. got to do something with myself, you know. So I, um, so I, I went back to uni. So how I'd old like, are you roughly then? Can you give me an oh, idea? Oh, gee, of, I'm in I mean, my twenties. Mid twenties. So I, I, I worked thing. as a journalist for a while because okay. um, Dad had some, had some papers. <laughs> so I said I can do that. So I wrote for a few papers and magazines for a while, and then I thought, no, I want to go and study. Come on. So I, I got into Latrobe and I studied um, politics, of course. Oh, brilliant! Yeah, and I met 
this person, this woman who'd studied in Princeton, she was one of my tutors and, and one of the subjects was international law and I did really well in it and loved it. And she said, why don't you study law? You should do law. That is just such a weird leap for somebody like you who's come from a squat in England know, to then go and do I the know. most conservative career out there. How's that? How's How that? How funny. But then I did, I'm not because I found this other other approach to it. Yeah, my, my feminist law. leanings and everything. So I, I, to me it, it was the most natural thing in the world. And so I, I, um, I went over, I got good marks, went over to Monash because I understood they offered a good course so I finished that. Right. Um. And then I worked as a generalist lawyer for a bit and didn't like it. And then I thought, no, I'm going to do family law because the bits of family law that I'd done I loved. And I thought to myself, I don't want to be like any other lawyer. I want to really learn about family violence and I want to learn about women. Why Why <laughs> the family violence and why the women? I mean, the women, I'm guessing, had something to do with growing up with five sisters and a feisty mum. Mm. Um, why the family but, violence? And the family violence. Just interesting. I mean. Because I didn't, I found that a lot of family lawyers didn't know that much about it right. then and they didn't do much no. with it. And I, and, and I didn't and we needed like the women. Law. We need women in this space, definitely. Yeah, people are starting. To, to do it. I mean, there yeah. are, of course, there are lawyers that do that. But for me, it, you know, I wanted to learn more and you, I wasn't learning it. And I, I thought, bugger it, I'm going to immerse myself in this. So I went to a community legal centre and I said, I want to do family law and family violence. And um, next thing they're saying, oh, well, there's this, you can do, there's that. And I, I just picked it all out. I want to go to the prisons. Oh, there's the Dame Phyllis Frost, maximum security well, prison Well, tell, up tell the us road. about what, what that was like. I mean, Oh, what, look, there was this um, very out of the dark. Very confronting, I would have thought. Yes. They said, this out of the dark program, Greta, and you're going, you can go in there and um, teach the women about family violence and the services they can get when they oh, get okay. out. And I got in there. And uh, I got a huge shock about what I heard, what I saw, uh, prison Just life. Just the extent of the violence and well, how they're so all persecuted. Well, there's so many women in there. Because, because Be there are, and, and I don't understand why, yeah, I don't understand why if a guy is beating you up and threatening your life, you're not allowed to therefore protect yourself. And somehow or other these women end up in jail. There's a lot of women in, that shouldn't be there. I mean, right. I'm not saying a lot of they're no, all innocent. I'm, I'm, get me, don't get me wrong. Conversation. But, <laughs> no, 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 no. But but um, I mean, I never thought that I would be sitting at a table, having a laugh with somebody who slit somebody's throat and murdered them. Right. I never thought. No. <laughs> I can't imagine that. I, I can't imagine never doing that myself. I know, but I got the backstory, and and you'd hear these stories about these women, and 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 I actually I used to have this joke saying, I know you're all dying to get out of here, and I'm dying to get in here to talk to you. But I I just heard these stories, and I I was just so shocked about how it all how it all was and why they were there, and and they shouldn't be there. I just thought a lot of you shouldn't be there. Right. And and I was. Also shocked that a lot of them were happy to be there because they had nothing to come out to because they faced the perpetrators. So really, right. what they what was going on was they were actually educating me. I wasn't educating them. I'm sure and that they, me, I'm sure it was mutual. I'm sure it wasn't well, just one it, way. That, but, that was really that. But well, that's that, shocking to me. So they were almost seeking refuge in a prison. Yep. To just get away. Yep. And that, that was actually pivotal for, in my sort yeah, of understanding right. and thinking that I wanted reform. And, um, you know, and then there were, there were these, um, 
you know, uh, inquiries into the into the family um, law system and the family violence system and people could write in, you know, stakeholders could write in. And I remember going to the women and saying, you should all write, they should yep, hear now. your voice, la, 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 da, da, and I'd give them, I'd fire them up and they'd join in and be fired up with me and I thought, gee, I'm like my mum. And it was, um, <laughs> and I felt, yeah, it was a good, a yeah, great really moment. Great but you know what? I got nothing. I got hardly anything. And I went to one of the wardens. Hang on, well, you got nothing as in they the women didn't, didn't write, write. They didn't write. And yeah. I said, and she said, they're illiterate, they love. Write. Yeah, right. And I just thought, oh, my God, you there's to me. record them. Yeah, oh, no, I went in there. I got what I wanted. But I, <laughs> I, I tell you what, I just felt I felt embarrassed. I felt stupid. For and them, I thought, yeah. No, yeah, I for understand. myself. And I thought, you middle-class arrogance that you would assume and how it must they have felt when you were telling them you'll write this and you can pour it out and let it all flow and all that. But and they would have known it was coming from a good place. I, I mean, know. They, yeah, but, but, you know, it made me think, you know. But, um, yeah, we, but, we forget how much privilege we've got, don't well, we? Like when you take we something are. like reading and writing as a, a basic kind of um, something that everybody is exposed to but they're not. That's right. That's right. So so going to the prison was, was um, eye-opening as was going to the hospital. I went to the... Um, to the Sunshine Hospital uh, through Health When's West. this back in the 80s this, this, as well? No, this was this was when I was at the Community Legal Centre. So Which I went is... to the prisons here in Australia in the Community Legal Centre and I also went to the hospital outreach service. So my predecessor just sat in an office and waited for women to come to her that had suffered, that had, you know, um, been beaten up and had an appointment to see her and right. landed in hospital. Me... I wasn't going to sit them. in a bloody yeah. office. I um, spoke to the <laughs> nurses and I gave them, I, I, gave, I taught them a bit about, you know, people and what they must feel like, which I'd all learnt from the prison, you see. And we we just developed these strategies because they come, sometimes women, pregnant women, for example, might come in for a checkup and they'd come in with the perpetrator and the perpetrator would be Hovering was controlling and yeah. would keep be keeping an eye on them. So we'd get the nurse to say, now I'm just taking jewels for a, a quick checkup. We just need to put a catheter in and do a few tests. Now can you wait here? So they'd take her into the to one room, out the back door, through the hallway, up the lift, into my office and right. bring her to me. Oh, and brilliant. <clears throat> so we had these systems in place and then I'd talk to her and these women would go, oh, oh, and then they'd cry. They'd often cry because it was all, oh, my God, I'm getting help. Somebody's, yeah, somebody's yeah, actually say, Yeah, and acknowledging. I'd say, you know, are you okay? Now let me tell you this. Is your life like this? Is, do you feel this? Do you, da, da. And they'd say, how do you know all that? Because there are the signs you look for. And so I could then help them and we'd, we'd devise wow. Strategies that they could contact me or come back and we'd do it again so that they could get help to help them get out of these situations. Oh, so wow, that, that was, is fantastic. And Rita. so it all shaped my feminist sort of thinking yeah. and what I wanted to do. And so I thought after a while I'd, I'd done family violence, I'd been to the courts and family law as well. Oh, not to mention the family violence in the courts. That was hilarious. What do, what do you mean by that? Oh, well, you get, get people in these. I used to like to go to the country courts when I could and because there was no rooms for the women to sort of hide or yeah. save space, as I call them, hiding hose. But um, there was no room for them. So you'd, you'd have to 
help them because the perpetrators were right there and they were scared. So I used to help them and, um, you know, it was a nice feeling, you know, keeping them away from the perpetrators yeah. and um, and having them sit beside behind me and then getting a social worker. I knew this social worker who was really quite overweight and I used to say, would you mind sitting standing in between, between them? <laughs> no, she'd sit between them in court because oh, yeah, they had to be behind, right in the front. Yeah. And she'd turn around and she'd smile at the perpetrator and go, g'day, mate, how are you going, you know? It's <laughs> quite lovely. So, so I did all of that there, and then I decided, look, I've, I've, I can't, I still can't do what I want to do because of the funding, and so it's Hang not. On, well, what did you want to do? I wanted to do family law, and and I'd learned enough about family violence. Now I knew, I knew women's stories, and I wanted to help women. I wanted to help all women, and I wanted a holistic approach. So yeah. I thought I'm going to start my business. Now and that was um, I'm ready for this and, and and I know that I can do it. So I and I thought I'll work from home for a while and then set up an office. So um, and so how long ago is this? Well, this is just before COVID. Oh lol. God, so quite recently. Yeah. So lol. So that's what I did. So I I I, I knew I had, had plenty of experience in court with family law. I had plenty of ex- experience in court with family violence. But I thought I'm going to have my own show now and I'm going to run it my way. And then COVID hit. <laughs> So well, just but I survived you, it. Yeah, well, you have, and 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 you were going to thrive. I mean, there are so many women who need your services, but um, I guess one of the things that I would ask is how how was it deciding to go out on your own after all those years of being employed and working with other people? Were you scared, or were you just really excited? Neither, neither, neither. I I just remember it's something I need to do. Right. It's something I need to do. But I remember I did have a moment where I I just thought, oh, the buck stops with me. (laughs) Yes, I think we probably all have that moment. Yeah, there was that that little moment where I was, oh shit, you know, there's no one, you know, if anything goes wrong or anything, there's no no one behind you. No, and there's no sick pay and there's no holiday pay and Mm, all that sort of thing. No, and and there's no. But there's no rules that you have to follow. There's nobody to say we don't do that in our organisation. There's nobody to say you're not allowed to say that. Yeah. Um. So that's exciting. Yeah, and I can change the way I do things if I want to because I'm the boss. Yeah. You know, and I can make my mistakes and it's good to make some mistakes because you learn from them and I can do that. So I'm always sort of um, pivoting. I'm always changing and adjusting things as I learn yeah. and, and to accommodate people. I mean, lately I've been thinking, you know, this holistic approach that I want to, you know, I mean, separation is one thing but after separation, as we, as when we began this conversation, yeah. after separation, what do women do? You know, if I just do the legal side, what happens to them then? You've yeah, got a when relationship. They've been sort of walked you, out of court with something, but well, they've. Especially for cho- with children. I mean, yeah. you're still having some kind of relationship with the, with the other parent, yes. aren't you? And you might, you have to until the child's 18 and beyond sometimes. I mean, yes. so there's all of that. And so you've got to. You know, I think about that. I think about my strategies in court and so on. That's only part of it. And so I've got this, I'm sort of surrounding myself with this group of women now, <laughs> you know, I mean, who are the financial advisors? Who are the best ones? Who are the best tax lawyer, um, tax um, specialists and accountants, yeah, you know? Right. And so I'm I'm sort of referring after, so that so that I know that these women are going to be, be okay, after. you know, yeah. because it's important rather oh, than just so say good. my work is done and, and off you go 
and pat them on the head. That I don't like that. I want to. I want to make sure they're okay when as they move forward. Oh, you are just a dream lawyer. Gosh, <laughs> and and really, but it, but it, you know, the other side of it is, I think that as women, we do want to nurture. We do want to be able to. Um, we're not. It's not just a job. It's not just a let me get you out of this and make sure that you save your house. It's still. You know, what, what else are you going to do? Have you got friends? Have you got support? Absolutely. What are you going to do if the kids are sick? You know, think through all those sorts of things and try and help them. You and do, it's... you do. And it's it's becoming even more meaningful for me. I've just found out I'm to become a grandmother. Ooh, congratulations. So, yes. so and, and but it's sort of informed my work as well yeah. because it, it makes me think, you know, what well, if you have a granddaughter, exactly. What, you know, and what. What happens then? So there's all of those thinking. Do you know, I, I just feel like you'd, it, this is just the start for you. I, I'm really interested to see what the next 20 years brings because so I reckon I, you could do something magic for women in, in this space. Well, I'm, I'm, I hope I can. And, and what I, I think is important is, you know, a message out there to all you women that, that it's about working together. And yes. my mum taught me that. And, you know, I, I met you, Jules, uh, through one of your functions yes. and I've, I've gone along to them and I love the way you're always say to women you know don't compete help each other that's and that's right. what it's about yeah. and I've met a lot of women there that that are like that and we help each other and we're a lot of us are you know working by ourselves or with small to medium enterprises that's you right. know and we're we're looking for someone to talk to and have a grizzle to or a, or a laugh with or, or to someone to celebrate. yeah exactly I mean I mm. always kind of go if you're running your own business you need somebody to when something goes wrong to be able to go, what the hell do I do? Because I don't know yeah. what to do. But also, if something goes right, to be able to high five with someone Absolutely. and go, where can we go and have a glass of bubbles that's to celebrate? That's right. That's right. And and it's important. And yeah, I, think, I agree. And you know what I learned? You know, I was in law firms. You know, back in the day, and um, I found they fast tracked the guys. Yeah. They taught the Funnily guys. Funnily enough, <laughs> they fast, and and we were just left. I think and we know that's do happening. Do you know it's a woman just... told me? A lawyer once told me. Yeah. She said to me. It helps when you cry in the shower. And I thought. What a shitty job that that is, that is that, the that, solution. That's what they ground her down yeah, to. And that was awful. that's what she could tell. That was her advice to me. Well, no way. Don't settle for that. Help each other. We, it's our turn. It's bloody about Absolutely time. Absolutely it Everything's, is. We live in a gendered society. Everything's moving far too slowly for my liking. We should all be helping and mine, each other. Yes, I agree. I agree. Mm. And, you know, there are stats that say that if women help each other, they go much further. Of course. But also we've, we've you know, I don't know, since the sort of 70s, I guess, and, and, and sort of the advent of sort of feminism, that we've had all these sort of guys telling us that give it time and you can't, and, oh, and women, yeah. it takes time. You can't change things that fast. You know, one bit at a time, you know, Rome wasn't built in a day, all these kind of platitudes. And I'm like, but that's just bullshit. It is bullshit. Because we've now given it 50 years and the dial has been moved the most minuscule amount. I mean, that's you know, right. here we are celebrating that we've got of the top 200 companies in Australia. Um, 60 of them, 200 companies, 60 of them have got women on boards. Mm. Of those, 38 of them have got one woman. Well, one woman on a board with 12 guys yeah, exactly. is pretty much it's ineffective. Absolutely. It well. And mm. and then the and then the other thing that people have told me that it's the same women 
who are on all those boards. So, mm. you know, and that's just a very small thing. I mean, the, I'm very excited that um, next year apparently the law is changing. So if you've got more than 100 employees, you're going to have to be transparent with everyone's salaries. Mm. And that's going to make a big difference, I think, in terms of the gender pay gap. But there's just so many things that need to be fixed. There are so many things that need to be fixed. And can I just say, when you talk about feminism since the 70s, feminism's been going along before, since the before 20s. then, yeah. since the 20s. And if I hear one more person tell me women got the vote, we weren't given the vote. We got it for ourselves. Yes. Women got the vote for themselves. Nobody gave us and, anything. And, and the same thing is going to have to happen with sort of, you know, gender equality across the board. We've got to do it ourselves. We have to And, fight. you know, there's loads of guys that will support us. I'm not saying in any way that there aren't, but the system is set up to favour them and That's we need right. to change the system. We need anyway, to Anyway, let's keep going. Oh, no. <laughs> I'm loving this. <laughs> All right, so um, along the way in your career, and you've had such an interesting and varied career, so I know there will be, have there been any women that have, stood out to you as somebody that's really helped you or mentored you along the way? Well, there's been my mother, of course, but there's all, there was one particular solicitor that really helped oh, me yeah. with family law because family law can be quite tricky. Um, and, I, and she was lovely to me and um, her name's Susan Hamilton Green. Right. And she she used to have me over every every couple of weeks to her house. Oh, wow. That's and she How old me, was she? Like, I mean, was she older of, than me? But she, she. So looking after you very she, much. She would make me breakfast. Oh. She had it all there. And I mean, a nice breakfast, a really nice breakfast. And she'd say, Now, what have you got? What, what's on your mind? And she'd take me through it. And she was just lovely. Wow, what she an amazing really woman. Nice. And I met her when I was doing my Masters of, of Applied Family Law because a lot of it was, you know, the, I, I was running files and I was um, trying to run my little business because I started my business proper, as I said before, before COVID. But yeah. I'd, I'd sort of started it a little bit before then just running files. Just what does running long... files mean? Is oh, that oh, a legal meaning, thing? Meaning seeing some people, seeing okay. some people and running a few matters but not not on a full-time basis. Oh, okay. And so I went along to her for these breakfasts and she sort of um, helped me and I always thought. She sounds you know, fabulous. She is. She's a yeah, really well, nice great. person and, um, and I don't need to go there clearly anymore. I know what I'm doing but I just thought, I mean, you still can dip in for advice. No, I correct myself. But she was wonderful and I think um, mentors are so important yeah. for women. I really I, do. Yeah, I agree. I absolutely agree, particularly if you can find somebody who's in the same industry or doing the same sort of mm. thing as you and has been doing it for longer because there's you just need that support, I guess, that kind of experience that people can share with you. That's right. Oh, well, she sounds great, so that's wonderful. Now, one of the things that I have discovered, uh, actually I just have to just do a quick sidebar and say, do you know of all the women that I've interviewed and there have been stacks and now I think it's about 250, mm -hmm. the number of women that started off as lawyers shocks me and it <laughs> keeps shocking me because, yeah. and you're another one, but that these women go a super bright, go into these careers and then become entrepreneurs and business owners. It's really interesting to me. It so is, yeah. thank you to the Law Society for being so patriarchal <laughs> and stuffy because really a lot of the women leave but they've got a sense of purpose and they understand what they want to do That's and they right. go and make a difference, which I think is just so beautiful. Well, I think the times are changing <laughs> because I think it's the culture in the yeah. law firms and there's this proliferation of smaller firms now and I think, Great. you know, women, we might see some interesting women. Yeah, some some very smart women staying in the industry. 
Yeah, I don't know. Right. I hope so. I hope so. And well, trying I've to reform. A, I've certainly met a few younger women now that are saying that we're going to set up, I'm going to set up my own firm and bring some other women with me. So yep. Yep. give them another few years and they'll yeah. be very experienced and they'll, you know, and then we've got the role models for the younger women who go, go, okay, there's a whole lot of women who've got their own law firms. I'm going to start my own That's right. rather than going into another one. All mm. right. Now, the other thing that I have noticed over time is the number of women who, when you are passionate about what it is that you're doing, do it day and night and basically make themselves sick over it and burn out. So (laughs) my question that I like to ask, and, you know, there's no right answer, it's just interesting, is to say how do you juggle work and life? How do you separate the two or don't you? Oh, look, my husband um, complains about this. (laughs) Look, I I don't separate it and I've always been like that. I just, that's that's who I am. That's who I am and sometimes I'll do very long days and sometimes I won't and sometimes I'll come in on the weekend. I mean, if a woman tells me, you know, I can't get anyone to look after the kids and I'm working and I'm, I'm, you know, and we've separated and it's so hard, of course I'll say let's let's meet on the weekend, you know. I just um so it, it's a sort of um a checkered <laughs> thing. No, I thought well I think I think that's very true. I think um there are some people who are working, you know, day and night and not giving themselves any separation time, but I also think that if you know that old saying that if it, if you're doing something you love it's not really work. You know there's that. That's right. It's just making sure that you get enough sleep and that you do get some time out because you need that time out to be able to get some perspective on what you're doing and often it may, it results in more creative kind of thinking I it think does. and innovation. I totally agree. I totally agree and and um and you can't for me I can't just run files anyway. I need a bit of a creative outlet and I've got a bit of a an oh, so idea going at the moment. I'm okay. part of a writers group and um and I want to I'm writing a play actually and I've got a I've found a little theater that's that'll um put it on for me so I'm trying to just uh, finish that up and it's actually of course it's about my experiences in the prisons and so on because family vi- I always come back to family violence don't I but uh, but my experience well, is always so it is shocking but it's always been when I see what's around it's often from the sort of um I'd hate to call them victims, but from a woman's perspective or the kiddies' perspective, and um, and I thought, why not from you know my perspective? You know, what's it like? The lawyer who's got to listen to who's these, got to go and, in and, 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 and comes women. and comes in with all the good intentions, and yet and yet she le- she herself learns, and and it's it's going to be quite witty. It's going to be funny, but it's going to be punchy and have a message. Oh my god, I can't wait. Well, we will. Good. I'll have to promote that when you when you have your opening night. I'll be mm. there for that one. Thank you. Okay, just before we wind up, a, a fun question. I love this question because I never know what's going to come out of people's mouths. The question is, is there a quirky fact about you that most people don't know that you'd be up for sharing? And you have shared quite a lot of quirky facts, but have you got some more? Look, I've, I've got one. Um, and, um, yeah, should I? Should I? Yeah, I will. Look, I, I got um, – I decided to get fit when I was in the community legal centre. Right. Um, I wasn't getting enough court work in family law and I wanted a fight. And so I got fit and I started doing boxing. And then, <laughs> yeah. and then I actually trained for a fight. I was I wanted a proper fight. Oh, my fight. God, you've been in a boxing match. Yeah. Oh, yeah, and I loved sparring and I had the, you know, the mouth guard and the head guard and I loved sparring because it was like dancing to me. Right. You, you know, you have, there's footwork. Very physical. And it's yeah. also bloody dangerous, right? Yeah. So And I really enjoyed it and I used to do that and I used to – um, of course, I used to go and run the um, family law list uh, at the court <laughs> and, of course, you know, there was the time where I had to rock up with a client and um, 
I, I was sporting a black eye myself. <laughs> so <laughs> the, the um, judge sort of looked at me and said, are you all right, Mrs Haywood? <laughs> so that's um, So do you still do it? No, I've let it go. I should I should actually. It's very good for you. Uh, well, I, not only is it good for you, but I would think it's a great outlet when it's somebody like you and what you have to deal with to mm. just be able to let off steam in a way that's, um, you know, I guess makes you feel more powerful and like you could do something. I mean, I guess if if you had um, some nasty bloke who was having a go at guys, you'd be able to protect her to an, a little extent now or protect yourself if somebody had a go at you, which would be... Look, I, I think empowering. it. I think it does. I think it, it does help you psychologically, not just sort of physically, very good for you. But it's um, if you don't get hit, that yeah, is. Um, but psychologically, <laughs> it's very good for you. And that's why, let's face it, that's why guys send their sons to boxing because they, you know, it'll make a man out of you. You know, it'll make you. It's good for your that's mind, right. and we should be doing it absolutely. And there's plenty of good women boxers out there. Oh too. yeah, there are. Yeah, that's very true. Mm. Wow. Well, Greta, what a. F- Fun, amazing interview this is. I, I just loved chatting to you. God, the living in a squat in London's really kind of like <laughs> stayed in my head, but also that you did that work at the at the prison as well and everything. So <laughs> now if we have any women listening who are who are either looking for a family lawyer themselves or know somebody who is, um, and, and they want to refer to someone as fabulous as you, and I can't imagine why they wouldn't want to, what is the best way for people to get hold of you? Not phone numbers, but have you got a website or some way that people I do. can uh, Hayward Solicitors. Just Google Hayward Solicitors and you'll find me there. And that's H-A-Y-W-O-D. Yeah. Otherwise, I'm on link- you can find me on LinkedIn and Facebook Great. as well. Great. Well, thank you so much. Amazing. I can't wait to share this story. Thank you so much for having me. <laughs> I hope you've enjoyed this episode of She's the Boss Chats. For more information and to find out about our other initiatives, including our weekly lunch for female founders and our TV show, go to she'stheboss.com.au.